Greetings in the wonderful name of Jesus. I would like to welcome you to this live broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. What an honor to just come to your house and share the gospel of grace with you. You know, I just see that this family of people that believe the unconditional love of God is just growing and growing worldwide. Amen. People just speaking the same language. Churches, I tell you, when I come to a town, when I speak to somebody, I hear about a grace church coming into that area. Hallelujah. Even in Malmesbury, there's a guy that has really um, got a hold of grace, planted a church about a month and a half, two months ago, and it's really going well. So, I'm so excited about this message of grace. Thank you that you've slotted into this broadcast. I believe that you will be touched by the message of God's unconditional love. Hallelujah. Right, I want to just um, read something to you concerning finances and give a testimony of what God has done for me uh, in this week concerning finances. Right. First um, Kings 17 verse 8 and the, word, and the word of the Lord came unto him saying Arise, get thee to Zarephath which belongs to Zidon and dwell there Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee Now this is Elijah and if I'm not, if I'm not uh, mistaken that he was in a certain place and the food, there was like a drought there was nothing anymore God told him to be in a certain place and that he would provide for him there with the crows, the crows brought food, and from there, um, he, he commanded him and said, listen, go to this place, where there's a woman, that I have commanded, to sustain thee, so, um, what happened was, and the, uh, let me first put it this way, the reason why I touch on this, is simply, because, uh, this scripture has been twisted so much, to get people to give, towards ministries, but I would like to show you, something deeper than just, Give to the ministry and God's going to bless you out of this. Number one, this woman was poor. There was nothing. Um, but God came to this woman and said to this woman, Listen, I'm going to send a man of God to you that you must care for. And uh, you might say, Bathy, where is that written? Here it is in verse 9. Arise, get to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and, de- and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the woman, the widow woman, was there gathering of sticks. And he called her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in the vessel, and and, and, uh, that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God lives. In other words, Yes, she's already acknowledging that he is a man of God. Because she knew about him. As the Lord of God live, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruse. And, behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go, uh, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Now, that is something awesome. Now, here comes, here God came, he, he told the woman, listen, I want you to provide for a man of God. Now, so many times we take the scripture and say, listen, uh, you know, the man of God came and because she gave to the man of God, the bread was multiplied or the, the meal was multiplied. But I don't believe that is exactly how it was. God was going to multiply it anyway for the widow and he knew that she was going to have and that's why he sent Elijah there for she would have already. So God said to her, listen, give to the man of God, I will send a man of God to you. 
So do you think that God will tell her to provide for a man of God if there would not be the substance to do it? So God provided for her and, and so that she could give. But she didn't know how God would provide. She had to go by faith saying, well, this is what God said and I'm going to do what God said. But I believe it would have been like that anyway. <clears throat> right, let's just read it again. So he arose and went to Zarephath and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he fetched her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And, he, um, and she was, as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and little oil in a, in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou have said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and thy son. And thus said the <coughs> for thus, now listen to this, he says, Do this, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil faint, fail, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to, Eli to the saying of Elijah. So what happened? There was a man of God. God sent him to the, to the woman. The woman didn't know how to provide for this man of God. He, he said to her, listen, it's easy. You can go and do it. This is the way God's going to provide. You can go and make me some. Because there will be more than enough. And then go and make for you and your son as well. So... Um, I don't think the key was in making first for Elijah. The key was God said there's a woman that I have already told that she must provide for you. So God already had a plan that he, she will provide for him. She didn't know that the substance that she had would be multiplied. Then the, the prophet that could see into the future, could see what God's plan was, said to her, this is the way in which God's going to provide. And when she did it, it was exactly like that. So the provision was with that woman. Now you might say, Bertie, but no, it was with a man of God. I believe it was with a woman. Because the, um, it, she was a widow. And God shows our, his love towards the widows. Now a widow is somebody that's not married, that's got no husband. And I believe that's also a sign of God's people. God's people being without a husband, being without Jesus Christ. That His passion is for, for people that is not married to Him. He wants them. He wants to provide for them and bless them so that they could be married with Him. That's just a little bit of typology and just what I see in it. And what's very significant was she went and she gathered sticks. And she said, I gathered two sticks so that I could dress it. So that I can take this food and out of that provide food for myself. And then she thought she would die. Now I just see the two sticks speaks, when you look into the New Testament, it can speak of the cross of Jesus Christ. Two sticks just like that. You know? And uh, if you pick up two sticks and think that, well, I'm going to have my meat out of that stick, those two sticks, then uh, uh, and then die, you're actually wrong. Because if you pick up two sticks, which is the cross of Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about physically going picking up two sticks now. Listen to what I say. If you pick up the cross of Jesus Christ and you want to live out of that, you, whatever you have will be multiplied. Amen. It's not because she gave to the man of God. I believe it's because God decided to provide for her and to bless her. 
And there we see the, the, the significance as well in her picking up two sticks to go and dress it and uh, make a fire. In other, wo- in other words, to find heat and warmth and, and strength for your life and to give you something to eat from. Now, this is what Jesus said. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And here God came, provided for the woman, and um, supernaturally, so that the prophet could also have. And when she went, because, I mean, that was a loss. She would have died after that. She would have died. So, I believe the, the last thing, if your last resource is the cross of Jesus Christ, it doesn't have to be your last, it can, can be the first, you will find provision in the cross of Jesus. You will find provision in, He gave His, his Son, and out of His Son, there's a prophetic word that says, whatever you have, shall be multiplied. So, go and go and you can give to the work of God if you want to. If there's a desire and a passion in your heart to provide for the work of God, you can go and give finances to, to the work of God. The, <coughs> the money that you have, if you are in Jesus Christ, will always multiply. Anyway. So, if you give to the work of God or not, it doesn't matter. The, the cross of Jesus Christ, I believe that's what multiplies. God has already decided to bless you. That's why he says, that's why Paul said that the apostles and the men of God had a right to take up money from the people. To, or not just money, we're actually talking about uh, a place, lodging and, and um, food and that from the people that they minister to and also from the people that uh, to, to give to other churches that was poor and all of that. They can do that because God has already provided for that church and God is providing for that church. That's the way it is. So I want to tell you that what you have, don't be afraid, don't look at what you have. In the cross of Jesus Christ, there's always multiplication. There's always more. Not in your giving to the man of God. That was the Old Testament way of doing. Um, bless and you will be blessed. You know, it's like uh, Abraham, when he came, to, when he came back from the, from the slaughter, from Sidelioma, and he, and he won the battle, and he came back, he met two kings. The first king he met was the king of Sodom. Now, you remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Sodom was just a bad place, and that king said, listen, bless me with some things, and I'll bless you with some things. Just give me a little, just give me, give me the people, but you can keep all the stuff. Because he knew that that people could provide for him again. So just give me a little, and you can keep a lot. And uh, then he came to, and, and after that he came to uh, Melchizedek, and Melchizedek came and served him with bread and wine. Again, bread and wine, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, the cross, the two sticks, the same thing. And then he prophesied, after he gave uh, um, the bread and the wine, he prophesied and said, Blessed are you, O Abraham. And exactly what the prophet did with the woman. She came, she took the two sticks and everything, she wanted to make a, 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 a cook the food. Then she said, he said to her, Listen, give me something. She said, I can't. In my own ability, I can't. Then he pro- prophesied, I believe, upon what she had in her, with her, which was those two sticks, which was the last that she had. And he said to her, Listen, what, go, you can go and make for me now, and then for you, for this is the word of God. So upon the, the, the sign of the cross was the word of God, which says, It shall not fail until there is rain. So there will always be provision for us. And it shall not fail. Amen. Hallelujah. So know that God loves you. God blesses you. God cares for you when it comes to your money. And that the blessing of God rests upon you. Now I want to just give you a simple example of, of how, and a testimony of how God provides for a person. You know, um, 
when I ride on my motorbike, I've got this racing suit that I put on, and it's quite a tight fit. So, um, it's, the pocket has got a zip on it, so that, because when you put something in the, in the pocket, and you get onto the motorbike, the position you sit in pushes what's in your pocket out, and it falls out. So, I was riding from uh, the Strand towards uh, Malmesbury, and I put in some fuel in my bike there, and I put the wall in, but I forgot to, to, to zip it closed, and I just drove home. And I stopped in um, Durbanville at a place, wanted to buy something, and I saw, man, uh, the, my wallet's not there. I lost my wallet. I said to the guy, yeah, you know, you can't believe it. I just lost my wallet. I phoned, stopped my credit card, um, you know, the emergency number, stopped the credit card, and, and uh, drove home. When I came home, I was home about an hour when I got a phone call. But when I saw that, I, I didn't have the spread, oh God, thank you, that you're going to provide for me, bring my wallet back and whatever. I just said, it would be nice to have my wallet back. But my mind said, man, that's impossible. And um, I was home about an hour and then I got a phone call and, and the guy said to me, are you Mr. Brits? I said, yes. I said, you lost your wallet on the N2 highway. <laughs> Close to Somerset, oh, to, to, uh, Somerset West Mall. And uh, I just saw your, your wallet on the highway. Some cars went over it and I stopped my big, yeah, I think he had like an interlink truck or some big truck. He stopped the truck and, and, uh, and picked the wallet up and phoned me and said, listen, this now li- listen, in South Africa, that doesn't happen. It's a miracle. But let me tell you the whole miracle. So he said when he slammed the brakes, when he saw the wallet, um, he, he hit it too hard and the wheels started to skid. And then the, there was people next to the road and they saw, the, they, they just looked, why is this guy breaking like that? And they saw money, uh, the, the money that was in the wallet, just blowing down the, the, the freeway. So the one guy ran, so well, when he stopped, the people started to look, why is he stopping? And then they saw the money in the wallet and they ran towards the wallet uh, and the money. But they couldn't get a hold of the money because of the wind blowing and cars coming. So this guy, as he got out of the truck, the wind blew the money towards him, right to his hand. When he lowered his hand, the wind blew the money towards his hand. Now that, that sounds like it can't be, but that's exactly. The other people were trying to get it. They couldn't get it. It blew towards him and he picked up the money. Then he ran to the wallet um, and, and, and got the wallet. And then the other people said, oh, so, sorry, I think I got the story wrong. The two other guys got a hold of the wallet. He said, no, give the wallet. So he took the wallet from them. And they said, no, but give the money that's in the wallet. He said, no, I'm not going to give you the money that's in the wallet. This is not right. At that time, a pickup came past and four 50 rand notes blew out of the pickup. Now listen to this. And fell in the road and he picked that up. Then he took a hundred rand for him, himself, and gave 50 rand to each of the other guys to pay them for picking up the wallet. And then he phoned me and gave me my wallet. Now, isn't that awesome? God provided for those two people that struggled next to the road. He provided for the guy who had to make phone calls and all of that to phone me to get my wallet back. And then I got my wallet back. And there's my driver's license in there. I've got a bank card from Canada that I, man, if I don't have, I can't draw money from the Canadian account without that. And then um, then I've got... uh, 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 one or two other cards in there and I had about and I had 60 rand in the 60 rand still there cards went over my wallet and not one of the cards was damaged isn't that awesome 
That is just God's provision for a simple thing like a wallet. And we might say God only wants to provide the big things. But let me tell you, that is the miracle power of God. Amen. And I took a picture of the guy who, who, who picked this up for me. And man, it's just awesome. I'm not going to put it on now. I'll put it on next time. I'm thinking of getting him into the studio and testifying himself about that. So know that God cares for us. He looks after our stuff. And you can just believe that God wants that and He provides for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Just before we worship, I would just like to welcome all the first-time viewers of Dynamic Web Church. I, I just hope that you've enjoyed and trust that you've enjoyed this testimony and the teaching out of the Word of God concerning finances. And I want you to just open your heart in the worship, enjoy this worship, and know that God loves you and God touches you supernaturally in this worship as you just think and meditate upon His unconditional love. Thank you for joining me in today's live broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. I am so excited to have you with me here. I know that we are going to just share this message of grace with people worldwide and I trust that you will be touched and impacted by what God has done in Jesus Christ. You know, there's no other gospel but the gospel of grace. There's no other gospel but the gospel of God's good news, the gospel of what Jesus Christ has done for us upon the cross and how much He cares for us You know, if we can't see that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that God became man, our gospel is void. Our gospel means nothing. It's all about Jesus that becomes a human being. And you know, in the book of uh, 1 John, uh, John said, if somebody cannot acknowledge that Jesus came in the flesh, that spirit is of the Antichrist and that spirit is not of God. Now, we don't so many times know exactly what it means, but what it actually means is that we need to understand what the whole thing about Jesus that became a human being. And if we can't understand that, then, um, I mean, what is there to understand about the gospel if we can't see that God represented man in everything he did and by that made man holy, by that got man righteous and blessed. Hallelujah. So, if we can't take, uh, if the gospel is not a message that says God became a human being, That means He represents us in everything He did. He obeyed on our behalf. He died on our behalf. He was resurrected on our behalf. And He's seated at the right hand of the Father on our behalf. If we can't see that, your gospel means nothing. And I know it's radical. I know you might say badly, but are you excluding people? No, everybody's included in the cross of Jesus Christ. That means everybody's invited to this awesome gospel. But we cannot go and make the gospel void and take the power of the gospel out to uh, compromise for the ignorance of people. We know, let me tell you something, this Bible is available to about everybody in South Africa. This Bible is available to everybody that's got a computer. This Bible is available to everybody who wants to have anything to do with the Bible. Um, And they can read the gospel out of that. You know, so I don't think there's a great... There might be people in countries where the gospel has not been preached and where the Bible has not been given out, but there's missionaries there. And if there's people there that calls out on the, on the, to the true God, God will guide that missionary towards Him. So, um, let me tell you, there's no excuse we, for, for ignorance, especially in the Western world, in a place where we've got access to the Bible, access to computers and those type of things. There's no excuse not to understand the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, um, I'm not trying to say, you know, my gospel is a gospel. If you don't believe what I say, then you're going to go to hell and all that. No, no. All I want to say is, this good news is so good, it's the only news there is. And we can open our hearts to that 
and we can really grab a hold of that. Now, I want to speak a little bit about uh, the financial provision of the Lord. We're going to use First Kings 17. Now, this morning we're not going to have uh, um, worship, uh, and this is live already. Um, this is not the 10-minute pre-broadcast before the worship, so I'm going to do this, and then we're go, going right into the Word of God. There went something wrong with the, with the um, recording this morning. Right, um, 1 Kings 17 from verse 8. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This is now uh, uh, Elijah. And let me just give you a little background about this and why I minister on this scripture. You know, so many times we think that, uh, or we've heard that this whole thing about Elijah, that the widow cared for, um, you know, she first made him some uh, cakes and, and, and gave it to him and then we, it's taught that because she first gave to the man of God, then God multiplied what she had and uh, God provided for her. And if we give to the work of God, if we give to the ministry, uh, to ministries or to pastors or to churches, then God will multiply what we have sown. Now, I want to just show out of the scripture that is not what it means. And to also teach you just on how God really provides you. Now, if you're a first-time viewer of Dynamic Web Church, I want to welcome you, and I want to just set your heart at peace. We don't, we're not here to try and see how much money we can get out of people. We just want people to be established in the finished work of Jesus, in what God has done for people. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let's get into it. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto, um, unto Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So, um, you know, when we read the Bible, we must read what is written. He says, listen, go to this certain place. <clears throat> go to, uh, let me get the name of the place, Zarephath. Go there, and there you will find a widow that I have commanded to sustain thee. Now, what does that mean? That means that God has already spoken to her. That's what it means. It's not as if here's this woman... She's got nothing. She's got no idea there's going to come a man of God that she must provide for and care for. And now there's going to come a man of God and tell her, well, you've got nothing, but I'm your Savior. Just provide for me and then you're going to have more. That is not the situation. The situation here is that God already spoke to the woman. Amen. <clears throat> that this woman must provide for Elijah. Now, she didn't know, uh, this woman didn't know how she would provide for Elijah for she had nothing. She just had nothing. What she looked at was not enough. But there was something that I just read here this morning that speaks to me of a sign of the cross of Jesus Christ. It says, So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the, of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. So here was this woman gathering sticks to go make a fire to cook the food. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. So here he comes and he speaks to her. Now, listen to this. He says, So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there, gathering of sticks. So here was the woman that was supposed to uh, uh, meet his needs. In other words, to bless him and provide for him and care for him, which God has beforehand already commanded to give to him. Now, 
it wasn't, you know, when we read this, we, we read it as if it's a miracle. Here he comes walking and yes, here he enters the gate now. And when he entered the gate, then he saw the woman and he said, Woman, you must be the one that's going to provide for me. So go and get the stuff. Now that's not it. The Bible says that very widow, because there was other widows as well, I believe. That widow was there, and I think the way he knew it was her, it was because there had to be fellowship beforehand. He had to talk to her beforehand, you know. Because he went, and this is, listen to this, he says, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. So he went and he dwelled there. He had to live there for a couple of days or months or I don't know how long. He was dwelling there. That was where he lived. And when he was living there, um, then he met this woman. And this is what, So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. So this widow woman, this specific one, was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God lives, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a saucer. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. So here was this woman and she had nothing. And he said to her, go and fetch me some water. And while she was walking, called and said, hey man, bring me some bread as well. She said, listen, I've got nothing. But this is the one that he knows and that she knows that must, she must care for him. And the, the way that she knew that I believe that they, they had um, a conversation beforehand and that God spoke to her beforehand is because she answered and says, as the Lord thy God lives. For she knew he was the man of God. How did she know he was the man of God? You know, here comes Elijah. She had to know that she had to provide for him. She said, as the Lord God lives, as your God lives, Elijah, man of God, I know for sure that I've got nothing. He says, but what I've done now is I've picked up two sticks. Now, those two sticks to me is significant. It speaks to me of the cross of Jesus Christ. Um, the cross is made out of two sticks, two pieces of wood just like that. And I've picked that up and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that and I'm going to cook my food with that and I'm going to then eat and die. That's what she thought. She thought, man, listen, let me just gather some sticks. I'm not even, I don't need a lot just to, I'm going to eat and die and because I've got nothing more. And you know, and I think that's where it comes in if we just want to see some New Testament significance in this. If you go and you pick up the cross of Jesus Christ, whatever you apply that cross to is multiplied and blessed. So many times we don't even know that. So many times we don't even think that. Our mindset is, oh man, I just pick up the cross and I'm just going to live my normal life and die. No. You can have life and life in abundance when you pick up the cross of Jesus Christ. And the provision was not in the fact that she would provide for the man of God. The provision was in the prophetic word that God said to her, listen, I want, uh, there's a man of God that's going to come to you and you must provide for him. Why? For she would be the one that would have the stuff to provide for him, for God would bless her. God's not blessing her because the man of God's coming to her. God is blessing her because He loves her and then He loves the man of God as well and He got the two together so that she could provide for Him. 
Amen. So, so many times we want to say, no, he did this, she did this work and, and because she gave to him. No, God beforehand decided that she's going to be the one that's going to have. But she didn't know how she's going to have it. Now, um, the, the, the way we, you know, you might be there out there and you might say, my finance is not going to make it. Listen, take the cross of Jesus Christ, apply it to your finances, and there will be provision and multiplication. That's it. Not your giving. The cross. Go and pick up two sticks. And take those two sticks and make food for yourself with that. In other words, take the cross of Jesus Christ and say, He was rich. He became poor so that I through His poverty might be made rich. And you will find financial provision in your life. That's just the way it is. I've seen it so many times in my life and I'll give you a testimony today of how God provided for me in a supernatural, supernatural, miraculous way. So, just know this, that there's provision for you in Jesus Christ. Now, let's read on. And she was going to fetch it. <clears throat> he called her and said unto her, Bring to me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God lives, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and little oil in a, in a um, saucer. And behold, I am gathering two sticks. She says, Look, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go, go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said unto her, Fear not. She didn't know how this miracle is going to happen, how she's going to provide. She says, Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said. But, in other words, take the two, two sticks, take the cross, apply it. He says, But make for me thereof a little cake first. And bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. So, it looks as if it says, you know, go and make now for the man of God. And you don't know where you're going to get from. And now you're going to have if you make for the man of God. Now, that's not what it says. Read the whole sentence. It says, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the source of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Amen. So, we could have put it in other words as well. See, he said, go and make for me first and also for you, for thus says the Lord. Or you can say, listen, thus says the Lord. That will not fail. So, go and make for me first and then for you. There's more than enough. That's just, that's so. Don't try and read the law into every scripture. Let's take it and see the cross of Jesus Christ. So what he said is, listen, is what you do is right. Let's take New Testament. Man, I don't have enough. I'm just this Christian believing God will provide for me, but I struggle and I can't do anything. Look, you're right. Take that cross of Jesus Christ. Apply it to your finances. But let me give you good news. Thus says the Lord your God to you today. If you take the cross of Jesus and apply it to your finances, you will always have until rain from heaven the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't that awesome? That is the provision of God. And if you've got a passion in your heart and you feel in your heart that God has laid something upon your heart, you feel this feeling, I want to give towards a ministry or something, you can do it. Because in the cross, you are supported by God. If you don't do it, you are still supported by God. Amen. Hallelujah. So, just receive that freedom. Amen. Walk in that freedom. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, uh, a short testimony. 
um, I drove from, from, I came from Bredasdorp to Malmesbury, I think it was on Friday, and uh, with my motorbike and visited a friend there, just went and encouraged him in the Lord. We spoke about Jesus until about 2, 3 in the morning. It was just awesome. And I came back, and on the way back, uh, at the, I just put in some petrol to my, in, in my bike, and about 10 k's from there, 15 k's from there, my wallet fell out of my pocket, and I didn't uh, zip it closed, and it fell onto the highway. Now, I didn't see that, and I continued, and about 30 k's further, I stopped at a, at a place, wanted to buy something, and then I saw, man, my wallet's gone. And I phoned the, uh, the emergency number and stopped my credit card and then went home. And w- I was home about an hour when I got a phone call and somebody said to me, uh, Mr. Brits, uh, you know, we I picked up your wallet on the N2 highway. Now, for those of you who don't live in South Africa and live in some safe country somewhere in the world, that doesn't happen. It's like taking meat and throwing it to dogs and thinking they're not going to eat it. They're going to eat it. And that's the way it is. In South Africa, we struggle with uh, um, more than 40, 40%, 45% unemployment. There's people that don't have jobs. If they're going to pick up a wallet with money in it, let me tell you something, um, they are going to use that money. And I understand that because, I mean, they've got nothing. They don't even have food. So what do you think they're going to do? They're going to, they're going to just pick it up and take the money. So, um, this guy, he told me the story yesterday. I, I got the wallet from him. He told me the story in detail. He said he was, he's a truck driver and he came with his truck on the highway and then he saw the wallet uh, and some of the money already blowing in d- down the highway. And I mean, there was many cars. It was like, I don't know how many thousands of cars per hour. It was just cars wherever you look on, on, a, on a Friday. And... Um, he stopped the truck, but when he hit the brakes, he hit it a bit hard, and the wheels started to skid, and he just, you know, released a bit and then stopped. But that made a noise, and people next to the road looked at what's going on, and then they saw the money blowing down the highway. And he stopped, and he got out, and here was these people, two, two men, running onto the highway, into the cars. You can't believe it. You know, amongst the cars, trying to grab the money. But he got out of the truck and as he just came to the, around the back of the truck, the wind blew the money towards him and he picked it up. And um, then he ran towards uh, 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 the wallet that was on the other side and then these guys saw that he saw the wallet and they ran and they grabbed the wallet. And then he said to them, give me the wallet. So he says, no, I'm not going to give you the wallet. He says, give me the wallet. I want to phone the guy. I want to give the wallet back. So they gave him the wallet but said, you must pay us because we've picked up this wallet. Now, that's just the way they want, that's the way it works in South Africa. So, you must pay us because we've picked up this wallet for you, two guys. So, while they were talking, uh, uh, another pickup came past and um, two or uh, four 50 rand notes blew out of that car and fell on the road and blew towards him again and he picked that up. Then he took, <laughs> it's amazing, Two 50 rand notes, gave a 52 each, and he kept a 100 for himself. Isn't that awesome? And he could, um, he could phone with that money and, and, and ride around and find out where I am and, um, and, and eventually get the wallet to me. Isn't that awesome? That's just the way God provides. You know, when I, when I was at the place where I needed money and I saw my wallet's gone, I didn't even pray and say, 
oh God, thank you for providing for this and whatever. I could have done that, you know, and then stood on, stood in faith and said, well, God's going to provide, my wallet's going to come back. And No, I just said, God, this was my prayer. It would be nice to have my wallet. But I'm phoning in the meantime and stopping my credit card. And, um, and there's the wallet. Isn't that an awesome, awesome miracle? That's just the way God provides. And that was just, there was only 60 rand. I mean, that's not even $10 in, that, um, in the wallet. But it's not about the money. The thing is all, I mean, my 60 bucks still in, in the wallet. But uh, the miracle is that it's such a small thing, but look at the way God provides. I just felt so special. I just felt so loved. It's like the one guy said to me, Yes, Bertie Bridget, it will only happen to you. And I said, Amen. You know, so... Uh, it, it's, it's, um, I've been believing for a couple of years that, the God, that God is a good God. If something good is going to happen, it's going to happen to me. Because my God is a good God. And if something good is going to happen to you, it's going to happen to you because you believe God is a good God and it's going to be good to you. And then you find people saying, Bertie, but how can you, you know, you're always the lucky one. But then the people that say that argue with me about the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God and they fight for the law of Moses. Oh, well, if you want to fight for the law of Moses, enjoy the curse. You know, because under the law, we are cursed. And uh, what we want is we want only the message of God's unconditional love and grace. Amen. Amen. I just want to... Vessel, can you just tell me how many minutes I've been preaching now? 20, okay. So another 40 minutes. Right. Okay, so we're going to go to the book of Romans. The book of Romans. And um, we're just going to start... I want to just go to... I know I've started in Galatians, but before I go through the whole book of Galatians, I would like just to... As I feel led in my heart to do this, I want to go to Romans chapter 6, and we're going to go do Romans 6, 7, and 8... And I think that's going to be important for us to go through that and just get more of this message of unconditional love established in our hearts. Amen. It says, Romans chapter 6 verse 1. Um, yeah, and people, the reason why I do this is that you can just have an even better understanding of God's unconditional love. That you can have a better understanding of why we call this message the message of grace. Why we say God is good. And that you can experience it for yourself and find the love of God and the life of God in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let's just pray together before we read the Word. Father, thank you so much that we can be here together. Thank you so much that you love people, that you care for people. Thank you that you just pour forgiveness in our hearts. You pour uh, righteousness towards us. You pour love towards us. Thank you, my God, for your care and your love. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you that people will just understand this grace as I preach it today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now, you know, so many times we take that scripture and we just annihilate and kill the, the whole two, three chapters before that where 
it is said that it's not by works and that God justifies those that believe that God justifies the sinners and it's not by our works. And then we come to chapter 6 and it's actually a verse that so many times, it, it, if we don't understand it, it wants to re-implement the law in our minds. And uh, because it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Shall we continue to break the law that grace may abound? And, uh, or do something wrong that, that God might, must just be uh, um, treating us better than what we deserve all the time. What it actually says is, shall we now use grace as a license to sin? That's how people read that. But that is not what it says. That's not what it says. Listen to this. It says, and it explains the cross and the working of the cross. It says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead in sin live any longer therein. Now, what does it mean to be dead in sin? Dead in sin means, um, first we must go and have a look at where does the sin thing comes from. Verse 20, or verse 9, verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense or sin might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So, what he says is, the law came in, under the law, sin abounded. Then he goes on. Shall we now continue in sin or under the law and find a multiplication of sin in our lives because we're not under the law? He says, God forbid. God forbids this whole being under the law, multiplication of sin thing now. Why? He says, for uh, how shall we that are dead to sin? How are we dead to sin? We are dead to sin because we are not under the law anymore live any longer therein. So what he's saying is, he says, shall we continue to sin? Shall we continue under the law now that grace may abound? In other words, shall we, and this is what it says in verse, verse, verse 20, moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. Shall we continue under the law that the offense might abound? Shall we continue uh, uh, to sin or be under the law and see sin in our lives? No, we will not. Why? Um, because the law has now been fulfilled in Jesus Christ and taken away. So we don't have the law as a guideline unto righteousness anymore. We leave the law alone. The guideline unto righteousness is the nature of God that indwells us. Right, God, now it says here, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? In other words, they are in sin. How are they in sin? They are in sin under the law. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? How did they continue in sin that grace may abound? The law entered. When the law entered, sin abounded. And where sin abounded, grace abounded even more. So shall we continue under the law that sin may abound, that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. And that's why I want to go to chapter 7 as well in the next, next, uh, next Sunday and so I'm explain to you that's that very piece which he now from there on actually tried to explain, even getting into chapter 7, explaining the depths of that. He says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many as uh, of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death. Now, what death did Jesus Christ die? Remember, 
The Bible says in Matthew that Jesus Christ was born of a woman under the law. Now, there are people that say that, and, and this is just a misinterpretation, saying that he was born of a woman, and the woman was under the law, but he was not. Now, if you say that, it is just because of ignorance and not understanding the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was born under the law. He was born under the law. If you say, no, he was not born under the law, now why, did, why was he circumcised? If he was not born under the law. Man, he was born under the law. He didn't even choose to be circumcised. He was just circumcised. And we all know that salvation is not through circumcision. Um, but the circumcision was only a sign of the covenant that God had with Abraham. So he first had a covenant with him. And then he walked in the covenant. And as a sign of the covenant, he was circumcised. So, uh, I mean, here was Jesus circumcised. So he was born of a woman under the law. So that he could fulfill the law. So that everybody that was under the law, if Jesus wasn't under the law, you are actually denying that Jesus Christ became flesh uh, to the sense that he, yes, to, to the sense that he represents man fully. He represented man under the law. So he had to be under the law. So Jesus Christ came and he was under the law. And when he died... The man of law, the man standing under the law, died. So there's no, man, no more a man under the law. So there's no more a man that relates to God from a law perspective. That has been done away with. Let's read it. It says, God forbid, God stopped this whole thing of being under the law and sin abounding in your life because of the law. So what, what happened? Here was man. He, he, he was... Let's take your life. You're a fairly good person. Then I just enforce a couple of laws onto your life and all of a sudden you find frustration, uh, condemnation, damnation, punishment and all those type of things just starting to get into your mind because you are breaking all these 20 laws. In any marriage, if there's, the more laws you put in a marriage, the more unhappy that marriage is. But the more love you put in the marriage, the, the better it is. So... Um, if, here God came and He wanted sin to abound and He gave the law for two reasons that Jesus could come and obey the law and that there could be something that could be done in order for righteousness to come to man and the other one was so that sin may abound and that everybody could be seen as a sinner and sinful not qualifying for, to be righteous in His own works and that sin might abound. Now it says, shall we continue in this sin abounding under the law thing? God stopped it. It says, don't you know that, verse 2, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin? How are we dead to sin? We are dead to sin. Sin doesn't have anything inside us that it could multiply sin in us. It can't work in us. Because sin worked in people when the law came. Now, you might say, Matthew, you don't agree with me. Let's just, just, even if you agree, let me give you the scripture that just is behind that. It says, um, verse 8, chapter 7, verse 8, But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. Okay, now we go to chapter 6 again. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin, 
Why are we dead to sin? Because we're not under the law anymore. Live any longer therein. Look at the faith that Paul had in the message of grace in delivering people from sin. You know, I want to say if people today can only have uh, 1% of the faith that Paul had in that grace can really deliver you from sin, you already have a world that's changing. Paul believed 100% that under the law, sin is activated. But he believed so much that under grace, sin dies as well. So he was preaching a message that says, listen, when you are free from the law, you'll find sin stopping in your life, for you've died to sin not being under the law. We don't die to sin by trying to stop to sin. <laughs> if you try to stop to sin, you are only starting a battle that you're going to lose. And even if you stop the very sin that you're doing, in other words, say you've been drinking too much, and now you stop that now, you've, you've just been an alcoholic, you say, well, I stopped this, or you've been in some bad sin, you've been stealing from your work or whatever, and you stop that now, um, then, you know, God would come to you if you want to be justified by your works and if you stand under the law and say, have you ever thought of stealing after that? And if you say yes, it says, well, that's as good as stealing. Sorry, because it's... And, and, and you might say, but that is not fair because I just thought of it and then I resisted it and, and I didn't steal. I didn't steal. You know what God was actually showing you? It is just the sin is already in your heart and you're just suppressing it. That's all. It's in you. And just the right time, the right circumstances, you'll do it. And let me tell you something. Anybody under the right circumstances can do anything. Don't think that you're superior. Everybody is the same when it comes to his normal sinful flesh. That's why we don't judge people. Because we know we can do exactly the same under the same circumstances. If I give you the same brain as what that person has, if I give you the same upbringing as what that person has, if I say exactly the same things to you as what was said to him, and if I give you the same DNA as what he has got, let me tell you something, you will live exactly like he does. Or what she does. So, that's why under the law, everybody is fine a sinner. And that's why we can't say, well, look at what he does. I didn't do that. You know, that guy, you know, he went and he cheated on his wife and he did this and he did that. You know what? Under the same circumstances, everybody will do the same thing. But what we do in the good news of Jesus Christ, when we, re we receive Jesus, the mind of Christ starts to indwell us. The peace of God starts to indwell our hearts. And then we are bearing the fruit of having that in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. So, um, the, in a certain, to a certain degree, if I say that anybody under the same circumstances will do anything, is capable of anything, you that think that you love people so much, if you come and say, well, I love people in your own power, let me tell you something, you'll murder people under the right circumstances. You'll be a murderer. If I come and I just uh, 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 orchestrate a situation around you where people make you afraid, where, where, where your wife cheats on you, where your children start to hate you because of another person that's doing things, you will start to have thoughts of murder. 
If it's not murdering yourself, it will be murdering somebody. But we can, you know, people can orchestrate something for you and situations can happen that you will want to do something like that even if you right now love people, doesn't matter how much. That's just the way it is. Now, I'm not saying that to, um, to, to make you feel, oh, you know, we are fighting a losing battle. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, know that in your own power, you can do anything wrong. It's possible. And that all people are the same. Now, that will make some people that do good things by their, by their works, they will feel, no, it's not really true. But the guy that does something bad will feel, well, it's not that bad. It means anybody can do this. And you're right, sir. Or lady, if you feel that, anybody can do that. You know? Any, anybody can steal under the right circumstances. It's like this one guy, he's a, he, he faith, faithfully works for a friend of mine and, um, and he's a faithful, faithful guy. And then they wanted to murder his, su- his son. You know what he did? He stole the company vehicle to go and rescue his son or his daughter. He stole. You might say, yes, but... You know, that is not, uh, that is not stealing. Okay, let, let me continue the story. So he made an accident and he doesn't have a driver's license. You know where he is today? He's in jail. <laughs> That's the way it is. Because he stole a vehicle. So the insurance wouldn't fix the vehicle because unless there's a case of theft against him. And they had to open a case of theft against him and he went to jail. That's it. Stole a vehicle. Well, the government didn't think it wasn't stealing. He stole a vehicle. But he stole a vehicle to go and rescue someone that's being murdered. It doesn't matter. He stole a vehicle. Under the right circumstances, anybody can do anything. Okay, so don't think you can be righteous by your works. And under the law, sin comes forth. So shall we continue to sin once we've been delivered from the law? Of course not. Because the law has been removed from us. The thing that works sin and makes sin exceedingly sinful in our lives. So there will not be an abounding of grace. There will be a life of grace in our lives. Amen. Right. Verse 3, Know you not that, to, uh, that so many of you that were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also should we walk in newness of life. So there's a new life that we walk by. We don't live... We don't have the life that says, do these commandments and God will bless you, and if you don't do them, you will be cursed. We don't have that life anymore. That man died. The man that was under the law died. He doesn't exist anymore when Jesus died. And then he was raised up in newness of life by the glory of God. And the way Jesus today, where he is in heaven today, is holy and righteous, that's the way we are holy and righteous. By the same force and the same power. Amen. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Man, isn't that awesome? Knowing this, that our old man, what old man is that? Is, it, is that now just the man that, the old man, you know, the old badly that sinned? Yes, that includes that, 
because he was all back that sin because of ignorance of the cross of Jesus Christ, unbelief in Jesus, and the manifestation of walking under rules and regulations and commandments. Okay. For if we have, um, verse 6, knowing this, that, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Now, what is this body of sin? The body of sin, we talk about the flesh. Paul talks about the flesh. We're going to see that in Romans chapter 7. That this body of sin might be destroyed. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. When he was crucified, what happened upon the cross? Let's go to Colossians. Quickly. I know many of you have heard this type of message, but I want to just um, take it verse by verse, chapter 6, 7 and 8, the next two, three Sundays, and just encourage you with that. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, let's read from verse 13, And you being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. How did he forgive us? Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. So the handwriting of, what's an ordinance? An ordinance is, an, is, is a commandment. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way by nailing it to the, gro- to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, openly triumphing over them, in nailing the law to the cross. Let no man therefore judge you in meat, drink, or in respect to a holy day, or a new moon, or Sabbath days. Now, what he's saying there is, listen, all those laws, the laws of a new moon, Sabbath day, all those things has has passed away. It has been nailed to the cross. And when he nailed it to the cross, what what did he do? He blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, and he forgave our sins. He didn't just forgive our sins by taking punishment for sin upon us. He forgave our sins by taking away the thing that makes us guilty. The way you forgive somebody is by saying, listen, I forgive you, but you know that if if you keep the same law standard there, you know that tomorrow he will be guilty again if he is inclined to do that thing. If You know, my dog, I've got a little Jack Russell here, and next door is is, is a burbul, a big dog like this, and when he sees him through the fence, we've got this concrete fence, but there's little gaps. And when he sees him, he just wants to grab this big dog and kill it. You know, now I can chase him away and say, hey man, don't make this noise, get away, and forgive him. But you know what's going to happen uh, 20 minutes from there, or 5 minutes from there? He's going to do it again. Because his nature is to fight with other dogs. That's what he does. He wants to do it all the time. He, he wants to fight with another dog and fight with... A, that's what he does. Um, and for, I can forgive him, but it's going to happen again. But you know what? If we could close that wall properly or remove the other dog, you know, then he is... The best way of forgiving him is by taking the other dog away. Because then he will not do it again. And that nature that's inside him to want to fight with other dog. He doesn't even think of fighting with other dog until he smells that dog or sees that dog. Then he wants to fight with that dog. But if I could take the other dog away and never put another dog there, do you know what? I will never have to forgive him for that. He is pardoned. 
He is set free. Amen. And what will activate that thing in his life is by putting that dog there again. And that's exactly what he is saying here with the fulfillment of the law. I just want to read something in Ephesians quickly. I'm just reminded of a scripture. Um, I hope I'm right. No, it's, it's not what I thought it was. Sorry for that. But let's just read here again, and uh, uh, chapter 6, with the context of, and, and the example of that dog. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us that were baptized into Jesus Christ, uh, into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death, therefore we are buried with Him, by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. It's like somebody saying to me, Barry, do you think that, that, that if we remove the other dog here, that this little Jack Russell will go and do the same thing again? No. I've stopped it. Because we've removed the other dog. I've stopped it. It will not happen again. Do you think that he will do that just for the fun? No, he will not. He's not going to do that. You know, it's like... Um, uh, 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 the dog chasing birds. If there's a birdie on the grass, he chases that bird and catches it a lot of the time. But if there's no birds, do you think he's going to chase birds? No. He's not. I can say that for sure. If we can remove all the birds, he will not chase any birds. It's exactly the same with the law. Are we going to continue in sin now that the law is taken away? No ways. For the man of sin, the law man, died. And when I was baptized, I was baptized into the man that's not under the law. The man that's not under the, the, the influence or under the guidance or under the power or under the direction or under any commandment of the law. That's what I've been baptized into. And the problem we have today in charismatic churches, Pentecostal churches, is people get baptized with the baptism of John. Where it is, well, I've repented of my sins and I've started a new life. I've laid down my old life of sinfulness and now I'm picking up a new life where I've decided I'm going to live holy now. And now I'm baptized, I've laid down, I go under the water, I've laid down my old sinful life, and I'm picking up a life of holiness. That baptism is not the baptism of Jesus Christ. It's a wrong baptism. It's not identifying in the death of Jesus Christ. When you go in, and you go under the water, and you you say, I am baptized into the death of Christ. That means, when he died, the law man died. The man that seeks justification by, I'll honor my father and my mother and then I'll have a long life. I'll do all those things. It's gone. I don't have that anymore. The, the man that says, if I pay the tithe, the heavens will be open. That man is dead. I don't live like that anymore. I'm baptized into the death of Jesus Christ. The man, the law man, died. When Jesus Christ was upon the cross, he became sin. So, that man of sin died. He doesn't exist anymore. So, laying down the old man is not, well, I'm not sinning anymore and I'm, I'm not going to allow the old man to stand up. I'm laying down the old man. No, no. In, in the sense of, well, I'm not going to do that sin anymore. No, laying down the old man is saying, I shall never seek justification by the law. For, if I seek justification by the law, let me tell you something, what's going to happen? Sin will revive in your life. 
you'll have a sin revival. Sin will revive if you get under the law. That's what Paul said, and we will get to that scripture. Let's continue in verse 5. It says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we should also be in the likeness of His resurrection. So, shall we continue to sin if we're not under the law? Hallelujah! No, we will not. Because we have the thing that works in our life, uh, um, by which sin finds occasion, has been taken away, and we have also received the new life of Jesus Christ, for we in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that the old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. He that is dead is free from sin. We're going to see in Romans 7 how powerful this is. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more, death has no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He lives, He lives unto God. Likewise, now listen to this, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it and the lust thereof. Now, listen, man. Paul is, 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 is if you go to, to, to chapter 7, he was using the word sin and the word law basically uh, um, as one word. And then he went on and he said, is the, to the point that people could misunderstand it and say that um, Paul was saying that the law is sin. No, being under the law is sin. Now, I know that might shock people, but let me tell you something. Being under the law is sin, my friend. It is sin. Shall we continue in sin to be under the law? that grace may abound. Don't continue sinning. Jesus died once for all so that we don't have to be under the law. If you are under the law seeking justification by what you do, you are in sin, my friend. You are, it is sin. Saying that I'm going to prosper by tithing and not by what Jesus Christ done for me upon the cross, but my tithe and separating the tithe from the cross of Jesus Christ is sin. It is sin. That's what it is. It is sin. And you need forgiveness for that sin. And you need to confess that sin. And receive forgiveness for it. Because when you walk under that, you are busy with sin. The fact that you don't tithe is not, not as much a sin as what it is that you think that you are justified by tithing. Just to use money for, for, for an example. You know, so, um, yes, it is sin. Let's, let's read here. Know this, that our old man is crucified. The old man, the man that was seeking justification by what he does. How did God deliver us from our sins? By nailing the law to the cross. For under the law you are a sinner and under the law your flesh, sin finds occasion and it comes in your life and it kills you. It kills the, the righteous man. It kills the holy man. It kills the man that says, I am justified by the finished work of Jesus Christ. That man is being murdered and killed under the message of the law. So, my friend, I've got good news for you. 
If you're in the message of grace, you are right and just stay there. Amen. Hallelujah. Know this, the old man, verse 7. That he that is dead is freed from sin. If we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing this, that Jesus Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He lives, He lives unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign. Let not this thing of being under the, under the law. How will sin reign in your body? How will sin reign in, in, in your mortal flesh? By not believing that you are justified only by the blood of Jesus and seeking justification by the law. That is, that's how sin will reign in your mortal body. Let's go to verse 16 quickly. We, it says there, Know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, Sorry, what shall we say then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid, it's impossible. Know you not that to whom you yield your, yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to obey, whether of sin unto death. What is sin unto death? Under the law you are made a sinner. Okay, which is unto death. Therefore, death reigns through the law. No bad, death cannot reign through the law. First Corinthians chapter 15. It says, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Amen. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which, which has given us the victory through Jesus Christ. How? By taking us out of of out under the law so that sin will not have strength in our body anymore that we can be delivered from sin. Amen. So we are not seen as sinners anymore. We've been made the righteousness of God through the obedience of Jesus by Him pardoning our sins, removing the law, obeying the law on our behalf and therefore we are righteous. Amen. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. So I want to say to everybody, let not sin reign in your body. But Bertie, how will I not let sin reign in my body? By being in the message of grace, that you should obey it and the lust thereof. In other words, sin comes into you and then there's a lust that comes forth and a desire that comes forth through that sin. What is that sin? Unbelief in Jesus. Standing under the law. The law is not sin, but to stand under the law is sin. As those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. So, we cannot... How do you yield your members unto unrighteousness unto sin? How do you yield your member? Your member is your body. Yield it to unrighteousness. What is unrighteousness? Unrighteousness is if you are not in Jesus Christ. You are unrighteous. Under the law, there's no one righteous. No, not one. Go to, go to uh, uh, Romans chapter 3. And go and read it there. I hope I can find it. 
It says in verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isn't that awesome? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no one that does not come short. All have sinned. Unrighteousness is to everybody. In chapter 3 it says, There's no one righteous, no, not one. So, don't yield, it says here, Neither yield ye your members as instruments, let's, uh, let's you see that word instruments there, as a, um, verse 13, it's a weapon. Neither yield ye your members as a weapon of unrighteousness or an instrument of unrighteousness unto sin. So, there's something that happens that is unto sin. When we are under the law, it is unto sin. For the law is the strength of sin. We've just read it now in 1 Corinthians chapter 50. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So, what happens? When we are under the law, we are yielding our members, talking about your human flesh, your body, unto sin. But when you reckon yourself as righteous through Jesus Christ, you are yielding yourself as members unto righteousness and to life. Amen. So I want to tell you something. If you are standing for, by what I do I must become, and through these rules and regulations, and your heart is for holiness, because of the deception that comes to your mind, and is in your mind thinking you're gonna, you are really now seeking for the true holiness, that guideline, we must do it, you are actually implementing the thing you're against. You're a true person. You've got a zeal for God. You've got a zeal for righteousness. In your heart, you are true. You say, God, I, I want this, 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 this righteousness and this holiness. You know, but there's a problem that, that with the whole thing. And that is that we cannot be righteous by our works. And you are actually implementing death again. Hallelujah. Isn't that the good news? Now, we're going to continue with this next Sunday. We've just run out of time. The, the tape's finished. So, we, you haven't recorded on... on uh, okay, so we have to stop now. So, listen, just go and read through this. Tonight, watch the rebroadcast if you can. Um, in the week, download this again and listen to this. This is really, really awesome stuff. <clears throat> Tonight, I'm going to minister on the very same thing at the church that we have in Belleville. It's just, this is so... If, if we listen to this, it brings such an excitement and power into our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, we're going to have a cell meeting after the service again. So, those of you that want to slot in there, you're more than welcome. Thank you that you've joined me. I'm sorry for the short service. Um, I believe it will not happen again, but you must realize sometimes circumstances are just that way. And thank God for His grace and His mercy even upon me. Amen. Let's just pray together. Father, I thank You that I can just stretch forth my hand towards the people that's listening to me right now. I thank You they are blessed, they are cared for. They are provided for in their finances. They are provided for in what they do. They are provided for in mercy and grace and righteousness. And I call them the blessed of God. Amen, amen. I would just like to thank everybody. just came to my mind while I was praying. I want to just thank everybody that is, that is um, giving towards Dynamic Web Church. People that just deposit money via the, the, the internet and the credit card system that you do. Thank you so much for that. We use that money for the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Thank you and God bless you. We're going over to the song. Enjoy this exit song and um, just let it touch your heart. Amen.